Welcome to another week of Christiformity here at Three Circle Church. Christiformity, New Testament concept. That's a very simple concept, but it is so far-reaching. Becoming more like Jesus is what your life's about and mine once we come to Christ. It's what God is up to. It's what He wants to accomplish in you, through you. Uh, he wants you to become more like Jesus. In fact, let's just read this verse, Galatians 4.19. The Apostle Paul was talking to a church, the church of Galatia, and he said this, My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. That's what Paul wanted for everyone who came to one of those churches. That's what he wanted for everyone who came to Christ by faith and through the grace of God. That's what he wanted for you and I. So my wife is really good at baking and decorating cakes. We have three kids, and she started doing this when our first son, our firstborn, when he had his first uh, birthday. She made this incredible cake. She just got better and better at it, and people would call and ask her to bake them cakes. And she's amazing. She's like the TV show uh, where they, they have these contests. I think she could go win the thing, okay? And one thing that I've watched her do is she would make these cakes, and she would use this cake pan that forms the cake into whatever shape you want. Uh, she could do any shape you can imagine. She just pour the batter into this form and the cake would bake to that form. Literally cartoon characters with eyes and mouths and nose, it would all form. And that is the idea that I get when I think about what Paul said here. It's one of those great ideas is that formation of Christ in us, like that cake baking or like we've been talking about here at Three Circle, walking into a blacksmith shop and having God shape us. In fact, it is metal workers and aluminum workers and, and cast iron workers who make those forms that I'm talking about for a cake. It's amazing what comes out of these metalworking shops. Well, it's amazing what comes out of the blacksmith shop of God. When you see a mature Christian, a loving Christian, a Christian laying their life, uh, their life down for others, a Christian who has joy in Jesus, a Christian who can face suffering and hardship uh, because they are strong in Christ, well, that... That's someone who spent some time in the blacksmith shop of God. That's someone who pursued their Christiformity. And today we're going to continue looking at this incredible concept because once you step into the blacksmith shop of God, you're never the same. He begins to work on you, form you, and shape you. So today we're going to continue that process because what we need to look at if we're going to imitate Jesus is we're going to need to look at what Jesus did. And we saw that Jesus loved others radically and sacrificially and compassionately. And then we saw last week that Jesus placed his own life in the environment of community. And he built a community where those disciples could grow and mature and become like Jesus. But today we're going to see that Jesus had some disciplines, some practices that you and I need to imitate in our lives. Two in particular that we're going to look at today that I think will propel you towards Christiformity. Today, we're going to take a look at the practices and disciplines of Jesus.
So as we take a look at the practices of, of Jesus, I want us to look at the Bible for a moment at another one of these great places. And, and people ask me sometimes who watch, uh, some of you have emailed us and you've asked about different Bibles that I use. I have one Bible that I use that I've had for 20 years and I'm probably going to retire it pretty soon because it's falling apart and my kids are going to want it one day. And so I've got this other Bible that a friend of mine made the leather work on the outside of. But then I have this other Bible that may be the one I use the most these days because it goes everywhere with me. I bet it's the one that you use. And if you're not using it, I want to encourage you to do so because there's nothing wrong with using technology to the glory of God. And you know what it is? It's my iPhone. So whatever smartphone you may have, most of you probably have one. You may even be watching and enjoying this service and this gathering together with us online on that phone. That same device can hold incredibly wonderful opportunities for you to study the Word of God. So let me just say, nothing wrong at all with you using your device uh, as a place to read and study the Word of God. In fact, I want to encourage it. It goes everywhere with you anyway. There's great devotional tools. In fact, you can get the Three Circle app on your phone. There's so many ways that you can study the Bible and get to know Jesus uh, through this very thing, this very thing called technology. So today we're going to read uh, the Bible together, and I'm going to go to Colossians 3, 1 through 10, because this is Christiformity, the Scriptures right here. Let's read it together. Uh, chapter 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. So if you're a Christian, you need to begin to seek something different with your life. That's what that means. Seek it where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Watch this. Set your minds on things that are above. This is something for you and I to do. So if you think Christiformity just falls in your lap, that's not really the case. Is it ultimately the work of the Holy Spirit in your life? Yes. But the Bible says clearly here that you and I have a part to play. We're to set our minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Watch this. This is something for us to do again here. Verse 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Then it gives you a list. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Here's another list. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Now what this, this is telling us is that there's some things that you and I need to begin to do in our life. And what that would be would be habits. It would be practices. It would be behaviors. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and then your strength. What's inside has got to start coming out. Christiformity does begin on the inside. It begins vertical, then it goes horizontal. But it is also going to involve and even require practices, disciplines, and habits in our lives. And what the Bible is telling you here is those things need to change. Uh, this incredible verse tells us that before Jesus, we all did certain things. You had habits. You had ways of thinking. You had practices in your life. Those need to change. In fact, the Bible says you need to put them off. It gives you a list. It's not exhaustive. There's other things, but this is a pretty strong list of things that tend to be habits of people who don't know Jesus. But now the Bible says you and I, we've been raised with Christ. It's time to put those down and put something else on. So it's not just negative, stop doing things. I love that the Christian life and this Christiformity process involves the positive. Here's what we need to do. Here's what we should be doing. 
And what we're going to learn today is that the Bible is going to point us in our Christiformity to imitating Jesus, and Jesus had some behaviors, some practices, some habits that others noticed, that others were interested in because they saw Him doing it, that you and I need to learn to do today. So let's take a look now at two practices, disciplines, habits of Jesus that you and I need to imitate in our lives so that we can fulfill this incredible passage that we just read. When you look at the scriptures, in particular the four gospels that tell us the story of Jesus' life on earth, His ministry here on earth, you see Jesus doing lots of things. But there are two in particular things that rise to the surface that you and I can begin to imitate in our lives. And these two things are this. Jesus was, and again, if we're going to imitate Him, we need to be like Him. Christiformity ultimately is about becoming more like Jesus. Jesus was clearly a man, a person of prayer, and He was a person of the Word. He was a person of prayer He was a person of the Word, a man of prayer, a man of the Word. If we're going to imitate Jesus, it's impossible to imitate Him without loving others. It's impossible to imitate Jesus without knowing God and following God. It's impossible to imitate Jesus without being secure in your identity. We've looked at all of those. We looked at the fact that it's impossible to imitate Jesus without planting your life in the dirt of community so that you can grow and mature. He did that. But let me tell you what. It is absolutely impossible to be like Him, to imitate Him, without being a person of prayer and being a person of the Word. We're going to take a few moments today to look at those twin disciplines of Christ and how we can implement it in our lives. First of all, we're going to take a look at the prayer life of Jesus. Jesus was clearly a person of prayer. Now, what you need to understand when it comes to prayer is that prayer is more about God changing you than you changing God's mind. All right? I think a lot of us think that prayer is about you talking God into doing what you want Him to do. But clearly what the Scriptures teach us is that prayer is all about God changing you. The very act of prayer is an act of submission. The absence of prayer in a Christian's life always points to the presence of pride. Because when I don't pray, I'm saying to God, hey, I've got this. I, when I don't pray for my marriage, I'm saying, I don't need your help with this. When I don't pray for my kids and for my parenting, I'm saying, hey, I got this, God. When I don't pray for my health, my finances, when I don't pray for His strength, I'm saying in essence by the absence of prayer in my life that I have it covered. I don't need your help. But the act of prayer does the opposite. The act of prayer says to God, I submit to you. I need you. I want your help. I'm not enough on my own. Prayer is so very powerful. The very act of consistent prayer in the life of a Christian will propel you towards Christiformity. It's so important to understand. So let's take a look at the prayer life of Jesus. And I'll give you a few things about his prayer life. The first thing is that Jesus prayed noticeably. He prayed noticeably. Now, he didn't pray for people to notice, but he prayed so much and so consistently that people did notice. Jesus, you could time his life by his prayers. You could find him by just knowing where he prayed. That's how Judas Iscariot, when he betrayed Jesus, he he knew exactly where Jesus would be because he knew that Jesus prayed every day. He knew when he prayed. He knew where he would be praying. This was just a part of Jesus' life. Listen to Luke 11.1. It says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. 
So one of the disciples noticed that Jesus prayed so much, and he had heard that John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, had taught his disciples how to pray, and he wanted Jesus to teach him to pray. Notice it says here that the disciples saw him praying. He was praying in a certain place. Let me ask you something. If you're a parent and you're joining us right now, have your kids ever asked you about your prayer life? Maybe it's because they don't see you praying much. Have your friends ever asked you about prayer? If not, maybe it's because you don't pray a lot. Listen, if you pray consistently and you pray daily, people are going to notice. You're going to have a positive impact on people's lives. So the first thing we learn here is that Jesus prayed noticeably. Do people notice your prayer life? Do they notice mine? I think that's an important part of our Christiformity. The next thing we see about the prayer life of Jesus is that Jesus prayed for others. He prayed for others. The Bible says this in Matthew 19, 13. Then children were brought to Him that He might lay His hands on them and pray. Now, what this tells you is, is that people would bring uh, their friends and even their children for Jesus to pray for them. This was a common practice of Jesus to lay His hands on people and pray for them. If you're going to be like Jesus, you're going to be willing to pray for people. One of the most powerful things in the world is for us to pray together. When you're with your friends, do you pray for them? And instead of just saying, hey, I'm going to pray for you, why don't you go ahead and pray for them right then? A discipline in my life, even if I'm in, on the phone with someone, is I pray for them. And, a, and a, one of my mentors when I was in college really taught me to do this. Every time we got off the phone, he would say, let me pray for you. And right there on the phone, we would bow our heads and we'd pray together. Jesus prayed for others. Not only did he pray for them in his private time of prayer, he prayed for them on the spot. He would put his hands on them and he would pray for them. Let me ask you something. When's the last time you prayed for somebody? And not just said to him, hey, I'll pray for you, but looked at him and said, let's pray together right now. It can be so awkward at first. It can be so uncomfortable. It is so very powerful. I can't strongly enough encourage you as a Christian to begin actively praying for other people. In private, absolutely. But also, pray for them on the spot. There's something powerful when people hear other people praying for them. Jesus prayed for others. Not only that, Jesus prayed with others. He prayed for others, but then often Jesus would go to God alongside others. He prayed with others. In Luke 9, 28, it says, Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with Him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. Wouldn't it be awesome if you and I started inviting people to go somewhere with us just to pray? Just to go out and sit and pray? Or invite them to come over to your office or come over to your house and, Hey, we're going to sit on the back porch. We're going to pray together tonight. We're going to pray together. What an awesome thing to do. Well, Jesus did this. Jesus would invite His closest friends, let's go up on the mountain and pray. I think we miss just how, I don't know, cool Jesus could be, right? Jesus was an outdoorsy type person. He'd go outside since He made it all. I can totally understand why. But He invited His friends to come with Him sometimes to go and pray. What a powerful discipline for us to put in our lives. Jesus was a man of prayer. And he prayed for others, and he prayed noticeably, and he, play, he prayed with others. But the last thing I want you to see is Jesus also did indeed pray alone. Jesus prayed alone. There's many instances of this recorded in the Scriptures, but Luke 5.16 tells us Jesus would withdraw to desolate places and pray. What this means is Jesus, even in His day in an ancient world, understood that distraction could get in the way. You and I have more distractions than we could ever imagine. It's all around us from digital to, to technology to just the busyness of our lives. 
And sometimes for you to be able to pray and really seek God and really hear from God, you need to get into a desolate place. Now, Jesus had wilderness all around him. A little harder in suburban America or suburban Europe or wherever you may be joining us from right now. A little harder, isn't it? If you're on a military base right now or if you're a stay-at-home mom with a bunch of kids all around you all day, hard to find a desolate place. So let me tell you what I've done in my life. My desolate place often is walking the property of the church campus where my office is. It's a beautiful 20-acre piece of property, and I walk to the edges of the fences, and I do my best praying out there. When I'm at home, sometimes it's literally getting in a corner of my house where I know no one's going to find me and pray for a little while. Or sitting out on my porch with my dog, Gus, and sitting on the swing and spending some time with Jesus. I have a bit of a, a rhythm to my life that on late Saturday nights before Sunday when I preach all day at our campuses, I spend some time on my porch looking over my sermon for the next day and praying over it. So those are desolate places as well. They're, they're places where you can get alone and have some solitude with God. But what we see here is that Jesus had a consistent prayer life, so consistent that people would notice it. Jesus prayed for others. People knew He prayed for others so much that they would bring people to Him to pray for them. Jesus also prayed with others. He, he invited people along the prayer journey with Him. But then Jesus had a a by himself, alone uh, prayer life, just him and God. And I think that if we're going to imitate Jesus, we need to imitate these incredible, uh, important, crucial elements of his prayer life. And remember, the book of James tells us that we have not because we ask not. It is an astounding verse in the Bible because what the Bible is saying there is that in God's sovereignty, he is in complete control, no question. But in his sovereignty, he has decided that there's certain things He's not going to do in our lives unless we ask Him to. Now, you not, you not asking God is not going to change His big, sovereign will. Uh, you're not going to change certain things. God has plans that are going to happen where you ask Him, whether you ask Him or not. But in your life, in your personal life, in your family, in your home, maybe even in our church together, there's certain things God has deemed in His sovereignty that He's just not going to do unless you ask Him. Imagine what could be unleashed in your life and mine if we would begin to imitate Jesus in our Christiformity and build a consistent, powerful prayer life. I hope you will do that because a prayer life is a crucial part of Christiformity. So we've looked at the fact that Jesus was a man, a person of prayer, but Jesus was also a man of the Word. He was a man of the Word of God. This is important for us because if we're going to imitate Jesus and be like Him, we too must be people of the Word. The Bible tells us that Jesus was tempted. The Bible says the Spirit of God led Jesus into the desert, into the wilderness, and He was tempted 40 days and 40 nights by Satan himself. And in this showdown in the wilderness between the Son of God and Satan himself, Satan came at Jesus about his identity, about whether or not he really was who he claimed to be. And instead of answering Satan with uh, different ideas or different things or arguing with him, Jesus simply said over and over again these powerful words, It is written. In one of these places when Jesus was tempted, he said this in Matthew 4.4, 4, and in this response to Satan, Jesus gives us the powerful nature of the Word of God. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What a powerful verse. What Jesus is saying is, is that the spiritual nutrition for your life and mine, 
for us to become more and more like Jesus is going to require nutrition. The guy who lifts weights, the lady who goes and works out all the time, they need nutrition. The athlete, they need to feed their body the right things. So they drink protein shakes and they eat really good food and vegetables and they take supplements and they hydrate. Why? Because what goes in nutritionally is going to change their body. What they're doing requires that. Well, you and I, if we're going to be like Jesus, it's going to require nutrition for our souls. And the nutrition for your spiritual life is the Word of God. I want to tell you some things the Bible does in our lives, some ways the Bible, the Word of God, changes us. And I didn't get this on my own. I recently read a powerful book called Eat This Book by Nate Pickowitz. This is a powerful book, and I want to share with you some things that he said about ways in which the Word of God can actually change us. Let's check that out right now. So the first thing we see that the Bible changes about us is that the Bible changes your spirit. And what we would call this in the theological world is a word called regeneration. Literally, the Word of God is the source that brings us life as Christians. Listen to this verse. Uh, Romans 10, 17 says, So faith, where we become Christians, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. That is a stunning, a stunning uh, statement to make. The Word of God is claiming that it alone has the power to bring new life to people. The Word of God is the very thing that brings salvation to us. This is, a, this is an astounding claim, but the claim is absolutely true. The Bible, the Word of God, actually changes our spirits. It changes us into Christians to begin with. And in the ongoing process of Christiformity, the Word of God is the fuel in the fire, the nutrition in the system that helps us become more and more like the Jesus who has already saved us. So the first thing we see in regeneration is that Word of God actually changes our spirits. Secondly, the Bible changes your mind. And what we would say about this is this is knowledge. The Bible actually changes our minds. Of course, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote these words, We need to not be conformed to the world, but we need to be transformed. How? By the renewing of our minds. And now we see that the way the mind is renewed, the human mind, is we're renewed by constant and consistent exposure to the Word of God. God. Listen to Proverbs 2.6. It says, For the Lord, through His Word, gives wisdom. From His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. The Bible literally changes the way we, the way we think. The, the, the Bible changes our minds. It changes the knowledge base of our lives. The Bible changes us, and it makes us more like Jesus. Thirdly, the Word of God, the Bible, changes our emotions. And what we would call this is our affections. Your affections. Let me tell you, more than you may realize, your affections are driving your lives. Uh, I would say this. You and I, we normally are going to do what we want to do. We really are. So what God does is He changes our very desires. And the way the desires, listen, the very things you're trying to fight in your life, if you're a Christian and you're trying to overcome temptation in your life, the number one thing that needs to happen is you need your affections to change. You need to love Jesus and not want to sin anymore. And the secret to that is the Word of God. The Word of God changes your emotions, which are your affections. Listen to Jeremiah 15, 16. I love this verse. It says this, Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name. Do you hear that? 
the Word of God or His commands, when you're exposed to them as a Christian more and more, they become joyful to you. In other words, you begin to want to do what God wants you to do. You begin to have a desire to be more like Jesus, but that will not happen if you don't have consistent exposure to the Word of God. Listen, my friends, joining us from wherever you are, I can't begin to tell you how important it is that you become a consistent, disciplined person in the Word of God. And a lot of people will say, well, uh, the reason I, I, I don't do it is I'm intimidated by it. But I'm not telling you you have to understand everything that you read. Just keep reading it till you do. And, and put to heart and put to work in your life the things that are clear. And the unclear things as you read more and more and grow in Christ will become more and more clear. Nothing will change the desires of your heart more than constant exposure to the Word of God. Let me just say it like this. I don't know too many people. I think it'd be very hard for you to consistently be in the Word of God and in prayer and still, I don't know, cheat on your spouse. I think it's going to be really hard for you to spend time in prayer and in the Word of God and look at pornography. I think it's going to be really hard for you to uh, continue in addictions if you're in the Word of God and prayer, prayer and the Word changes our very affections. And then finally, the Bible changes your will. And what we would call that is your volition. In other words, your ability to decide. Your ability to say, this is what I'm going to do and this is what I'm not going to do. And Jesus said it like this in John 14, 15. If you love me, if you love Jesus, you will keep His commandments. What a powerful statement to make. But what Jesus understood is that your emotions are going to drive your life. So when you have your mind renewed knowledge, it will begin to change your heart and your desires, your wants and your feelings. And then what's going to happen is you can begin to follow God and you're going to make better decisions. You're going to make God-honoring decisions. And when all of those come together, all born out of the power of the Word of God in your life, what happens is you begin to live a life that looks a lot more like Jesus. You begin to live a life with knowledge of God, with decisions based on that knowledge, and with a heart that is joyful in following God and following His commands. This is what Christianity looks like. Christianity is not people just slaving over a brand new to-do list. Christianity is full of people who love Jesus, and out of that love for Him, and out of that joy of knowing Him, we follow His commands, we obey Him. Gladly, not begrudgingly, but gladly we obey Jesus. This is what Christiformity is all about. And it requires you being a person of prayer, and as we've seen now, a person of the Word. So we see today as we take a look at the life of Jesus, the life that we should be imitating as Christians, that He was a man of prayer and He was a man of the Word of God. To imitate Him, we need to know what He did. Recently, uh, a beautiful story that happened here locally where our church's uh, physical campuses exist in the state of Alabama, we have a, a Heisman winner. His name's Devontae Smith, one of the greatest wide receivers in collegiate sports history, certainly in Alabama football history. He won the Heisman. He's the first wide receiver to do so in like 30 years. But as a word came out about the kind of player and the kind of young man he is, his hum hum humility came to the surface. Very, very humble young man. And in interviews afterwards, several NFL wide receivers uh, came to the surface and said that they had gotten calls from Devontae Smith asking them how to take better care of his body, how to uh, have better habits as a wide receiver, how to do the things that it would require for him to become a great wide receiver. Devontae Smith wanted to imitate the ones who were already doing it so well. And it looks like it turned out pretty well for him. He won the Heisman, won a national championship. He's probably going to go really high in the draft.
Now, what I love about that story is that Devontae understood that he couldn't just do this thing on his own. He could go and imitate guys who had done it before, who had done it well. Well, you and I, we need to learn to be imitators of Christ. Instead of figuring out how to do the Christian life on our own, or instead of taking our cues from the culture, or, or our cues from politics, why don't we take our cues on the Christian life from the founder of our faith, from the one who lived it himself, Jesus Christ, loving others, caring for others, and being a person of prayer and the Word. Today, if you want to win, if you will, the Christiformity Heisman, if you want to actually be able to say, I'm becoming more and more like Jesus, it's going to require you uh, adopt the principles, habits, and disciplines of Christ Himself. And those include, at the top of the list, prayer and the Word of God. So I want to challenge you, all of you joining us, this week to begin every day to be consistently praying and consistently spending some time in the Word of God. This is all a part of Christiformity.